Okay, I have one that's kind of existential. And then I have one that's kind of <laughs> dumb if the existential one is too weird. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to Gumsh- <laughs> Are you recording? <laughs> I just liked your... Welcome back to Gumshoe Weekly. The epicenter of mystery and mayhem. This is a murder episode. (laughs) You could tell because I did a voice. (laughs) Think about your name. My name is Brianna. My name is G. Zs. G. (laughs) Zs. Well, there you go. Yeah. If you misheard it, that's your fault. So, <laughs> don't you take that Lord's name in vain? <laughs> Do you have a question? Yes. My question is if when you died, you could cease to exist or wander the earth forever, never being able to interact with anything, which would you choose? Wait, what? One more time. <laughs> if you died, you could either cease to exist or wander the earth forever and never being able to interact with anything. Which one do you want? Second one. You think so? Yes, because even if I can't interact with things, if I'm sitting in a room where somebody's watching a movie, I'm okay with that. Okay. I think it would upset me. Yeah. It'd get very lonely. But then I'm like, but I get to watch, like, the kids grow up and all their generations. So, like. There's definitely cons, pros and cons to that one. Yeah. You'd have to very be able to do, like, a, a meditative lifestyle. Yeah. I think that's the only way yeah. to deal with living forever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because hmm. you can't turn the TV on. You have to wait till the TV is turned on. Yeah. yeah. So I'd want to, like, dwell in, like, an apartment complex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See all the weird stuff going on. I think I would travel the world. Yeah. You know what That'd pay. be pretty chill. Yeah. How do you get there, though? You don't have a body, and you can't interact with things. Is it like you blink and you're there? I think you could. Well, it says you could wander like the earth, but you can't interact with anything. So I think I could get on a plane. I don't think I could open the doors to a plane or put a seatbelt okay. on. That makes sense. I think I could just, like, exist in places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I could use an escalator, but I couldn't press the buttons on an elevator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely that second one still. Yeah. It's terrifying to think about what happens after you die. Yeah. I have anxiety about that constantly. Oh, good thing I brought it up then. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Just the idea that that's it. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, we're all scared of it. That's not a problem. That's not a me thing. But, you know, just the ceasing to exist part. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, like, the whole thing of Uh it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a question. After you survive the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think your job is going to be? Ooh, like we're rebuilding society or society is rebuilt or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be something useful. You go first. I'm going to infiltrate that government. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I want to be the Michonne of the afterworld. Fuck yeah. That's my whole thing. I want to be... 
kicking ass and taking names. You come in and you're like, something will smell right. Like she did yeah. in fucking Woodbury or whatever it was called. Yeah, for sure. The comic book's so much darker. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's what I want to do. I want to be the most trusted fighter there. I want to say I would want to be like either. But the... I don't want to be a bitch ass like Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a Michonne through and through. He was sexy though. <laughs> I think I would want to be like either one of the scavengers like I go out and I do the dangerous like get mm-hmm. all the shit or I would want to be like a really weird like a really weird uh leader like the weird dictator like, I got my own episode. weird shit going on <laughs> like either I'm like an old lady who's too soft or I'm a fucking insane old gym coach with a bat a <laughs> Or I'm some weird little mayor man who has no power, but that wouldn't be me. I would be like, uh-huh. I would be one of those people that's like, like Carol. You're like, I have my wicked little ways. You yeah. will see me the way I want you I to I make shit me. happen, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That's I think that's one. what I would want to do. Or librarian. But that would be way into society. And then I would die. So, because then yeah. they'd be like, it's not over, bitch. <laughs> it's only over in our little walls. Yeah. Have you seen the new, um, the new Walking Dead, the Fear Beyond the World, Mm-mm. the uh, Fear the Walking Dead Beyond the World or Worlds Beyond or something like that? It's basically them rebuilding society. It's mm-hmm. already happened. It's been a thing. Oh. Um, but like this one group of people take over the camp of a, a like the campus of a college, mm-hmm. and they start building their society in that campus. So mm-hmm. it has the walls and it's protected and stuff like that. But outside of the walls, obviously, they're zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole point of that one is that the society has already been trying to rebuild itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a little bit more advanced. They have the walkie-talkie thing, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one super advanced society that is basically coming and trying to take over all of these little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it showed up in The Walking Dead. It showed up in Fear the Walking Dead, and it's also showing up in this one, so. So you think it'll have its own show or something? Well, I think this show, the Fear the Walking Dead one, is the one that's going, not Fear the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead World Beyond, uh-huh. is, which to me is like a teeny bopper version of The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're, because they, they showed you, like, the inside part of it, um, kind of like who's running it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but in the other shows, they just showed, like, logos and stuff like that within the show, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't know. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, I have a dumb question. Okay. Okay. Um, every day, 12 things appear in your backyard. They are random, but I'll start with a letter of your choosing. What letter do you choose? B for books. <laughs> That's smart. Or F for food. (laughs) That's true. I mean, but then I feel like... Feet. (laughs) Feet. Feet. Fish. I feel like if it was food, I don't know. I guess it's open to interpretation. They all start with a letter of your choosing. So if you're like... A, B, C, D, E, F, G. (laughs) (laughs) You just reminded me of that fucking video of Kourtney Kardashian and Scott Disick. Or she's like, he's like, you can't do that. She's like, A, B, C, D, G, E, F, G. And he's like, what? And she's like, it means I'm done with the conversation, Scott. <laughs> and he's like, is that a thing? But he's like questioning it. She doesn't explain it. And then She's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but she's dating Travis Barker and they're like a thing. 
Yeah, they're like really. They're, they're that really intense. They're, they're, so they look a little toxic. <laughs> yeah, they were like. There was a lot of licking involved. I don't like anything that. I don't like anyone over forty that's talking about licking. Yeah. Or doing it. Yeah. Gross. <sighs> um. Anyways, I don't think I have an answer. All right. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh. Oranges. For octopus. <laughs> and an octopus. I can't fucking support an octopus. Hmm. What if it's a little baby one? Okay, yeah, I could do that. What about, um, ostrich? An ostrich? I saw a video of this guy who, the Urban Rescue Ranch has ostriches in his backyard, so I think I could I'm pretty sure those are assholes. They are. Yeah. No, they attack them all the time. There's a lady on TikTok who, um, that's what she does. She always videotapes the one ostrich on the farm, and the ostrich is, like, a complete cunt. (laughs) She's Uh just always attacking her, so she has, like, throat chop the yeah. fucking ostrich <laughs> i saw I, I maybe it's the same lady i saw this one i was like here's what you do when an ostrich comes at you and she's like and everyone's like what the fuck did she do how am i supposed to do that i don't know what you just did <laughs> what the fuck was that what was that thing coming at you because it was coming so fast yeah. it didn't look like an ostrich <laughs> i feel like the tiktok comment section is gold gold it's a little piece of heaven really yeah honestly it is all right well let's get into it let's do it rock paper scissors shoot paper scissor rock paper scissors shoot rock rock paper scissors shoot rock scissors you win again yes i'm gonna go first okay is it because yours is very sad okay 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 so last year i imagine a lot of weird or worrisome things went by without us noticing or without a lot of media coverage. Mm -hmm. I have one story today that is both weird and worrisome. We are in Emmett, Idaho. Emmett, Idaho. On the evening of September 10th last year, Tristan Connor Sexton, 16 years old, goes missing. He's last seen off of Airport Road and Highway 52 in Emmett, Idaho. His absence is reported and investigated, loses traction without any promising leads. No developments until suddenly, on October 19, 2020, a little little over a month later, his 14-year-old half-sister, Taylor Summers, goes missing. She's last seen off of Airport, Airport Road and Highway 52 in Emmett, Idaho. The same exact location. And what no one fuck? has heard from either kid. They're siblings. Mm-hmm. How they disappear from the same place. Like, there were so many, like, I feel like theories where it's like how it could have happened, but it just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Like, were they abducted? Did they both run away, but also from the same place? Mm-hmm. Were they killed there? Were they hidden there? So on April 12th, 2021, last month, exactly 28 days ago, Taryn Summers, Tristan and Taylor's eight-year-old little sister, disappears. She's last seen off of Airport Road and Highway 52 in Emmett, Idaho. At this point, it was like... That's too many kids. Yeah, and the same fucking place they're all last seen. Yeah. Up until now, the other two had had begun to be written off as runaways. But an eight-year-old doesn't just run away, and not for over a day. So, same location, same family... Same home. Mm-hmm. And three kids are missing. Um, we do know that they have a younger sibling. I think it's four years old. That was still at the house at the time. 
then I started to get into like, like in the thinking of it, I'm like, how could this have happened all from the same location? So then you kind of get into like the creepy shit where you're like, maybe it's some fucking aliens or some cryptid aliens. Maybe it's Nosferatu from fucking Nosferatu. It's Tristan Taylor and who? Tristan Taylor and Taryn. So we wait a few days until we get the next update. Um, we get the next update. Taryn's body is found. Later confirmed as her. It she was, was so quiet until you started talking. Yeah. She was found in Connie Smith, the grandmother, and current legal guardian's car. What the fuck? Like she forgot her there? I'm not sure. They didn't give details. It did just happen like less than a month ago. So I think that maybe they haven't released everything yet because it's still under current investigation. Because they arrest the grandmother. They put multiple charges. At first it was like murder and then it turned into like failure to report a dead body because it was in her car. Mm-hmm. Like you could smell it. That's how they found out it was there. Oh my God. Um. So I think they started to say like failure to... Uh, report a dead body because it was like mm, we might not be able to get her for the murder but we can get her for sure for the dead body and for like I think it was like neglect or something but Mm -hmm. even with just those two things not the murder it'll get 15 years Mm -hmm. so they arrest her she looks fucking crazy um what's her name uh Connie Smith so she came by custody of these four kids Because in 2019, they were all living with their mother still, and three of the four children tested positive for hard drugs. Oh my god. So they were removed from her care and placed in the grandmothers. And a lot of people in the comments were saying, they were like, to be taken away from a wicked mother and given to a wicked grandmother. Like, that's fucking horrible. Um, But it's very possible that, like, she was smoking amphetamines, like a version of meth or whatever mm-hmm. because with that all you have to do is like smoke it near someone and it's all the way in their system yeah that's why you like can't live in houses where meth was cooked because it's in the walls forever during this investigation the cops finally locate taylor and tristan she looks like she does meth yes both of them are alive and well and in hiding in safe places so from so who put them there Well, the thought, so once she gets arrested, it starts to come out, like, it was a complicated family dynamic, there was, like, rumors of abuse, um, all these other things in Connie's house, which is where they'd been for, like, a year at this point. So, a lot of the commenters, because we don't have details yet, and because they didn't want to disclose the other two kids' locations, um, they think that it was kind of, like, maybe a sting operation with another family member or friends, where they, like took them from the road like they like hey come here you know who i am yeah like they ran they were like okay we know that this is going on in the house we need to get them out kind of situation Mm -hmm. so like the one i don't think the two are together though so i think it i don't know if it wasn't connected but i don't think that they are um i just don't think they're staying together which is regular even if they'd been taken by the same people they would probably be like okay like if they'd been like rescued by the same people would be like okay you're gonna stay like with your aunt and you'll stay here Mm -hmm. too many kids which is probably how they ended up being with their grandmother because it's four kids that's Mm -hmm. a lot and i know the four-year-old has been placed somewhere else i don't know where specifically but um they think that it was that it was either like an organized thing within like the family to get the kids out 
or that like he ran away but not because he like just ran to another place and nobody knew where he was they Mm -hmm. couldn't find him so they think that he ran first he was the oldest and then the younger one went to whether it was related or not but then Taryn, they don't really know what happened there because it sounds like she just killed her. It sounds like she tried to get in on the two kids disappearing. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she was like, I'm going to run away too or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And then... I'm going to make it look like what happened to them happened to her. Yeah. So she was like, oh, she ran away, but then left the body in her car for mm-hmm. days. So, Yeah. That's the story? <laughs> yeah, that's my whole story. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was not very long. It was just very interesting. That is an interesting one, so I yeah. guess it'll keep us updated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're currently still investigating it. Um, the grandmother is in jail. The three surviving kids are okay. Um, there was just a lot of concern in Hullabaloo where it was like, how are you going to, like, I a lot of people were like, I really sympathize with the two kids who got out. Mm-hmm. because the littler one didn't, and yeah. to, like, live with that survivor's guilt is going to be fucking crazy. Especially because they're young. It's not like you're 25 and you can kind of try to rationalize it to yourself or mm-hmm. even try to take the blame off of yourself because it's not... It's your situation. It's not what you asked for. It's what you were put in. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to do it because I just thought it was so crazy that they all went missing in the same location. Mm-hmm. They were all siblings, um, and that it was last year, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't hear about that. Can't wait to hear more information about that one. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to just dive right in. Dive in. <laughs> On the morning of January 15th, 1947, Betty Bursinger and her daughter were walking in their Los Angeles neighborhood when they walked past a vacant lot, and just a few feet from the sidewalk, they found the body of a woman. <laughs> I'm just over here like this is a really cool webcam cover and you're like a body of a woman and I was like let me stop she was naked and sliced clean in half at the waist oh yes God. <laughs> the body was posed in such a way that the woman had thought it was a mannequin at first um, the investigation was taken on by the LA police department and aided by the FBI in helping to identify the body so they just jumped right in. After just 56 minutes, they were able to identify her using her fingerprints and a machine called a sound photo, which is like an old fax machine. Um, newspapers used it for photography, and it basically just sends photos via the phone. Oh. Like a fax machine. The young woman turned out to be 22-year-old aspiring actress Elizabeth Short, soon to be dubbed the Black Dahlia. Yeah. <laughs> you were like cut clean in half on a front lawn. I was like, Sliced in half. Like, uh, anyway. <laughs> Don't finish that sentence. <laughs> um, one article from the examiner spoke of the black tailored suit she was last seen wearing as a tight skirt and a sheer blouse. That was basically what gave the media um, fire to nickname her as the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventure- adventurous who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. And additional newspapers reports, such as one published in the Los Angeles Times on January 17th, deemed the murder a sexed fiend slaying. Wow. Love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. Fucking, anyway. <laughs> really putting a lot of descriptors in here without any sort of proof or anything. Yeah. I love it when the media is the one that comes up with mm-hmm. it, because then you're like, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> Based in reality, yeah. it is not. <laughs> Okay, anyway, her fingerprints had been in the FBI's collection twice already, so they were sure it was her, it was their girl. She had applied for a job as a clerk at the commissary of 
the, of the Army's Camp Cook in California in January 1943, and the second time was because she had been arrested by the Santa Barbara police for underage drinking seven months early. Seven months later. Um, the, ugh, you scared the shit out of me. Sorry. I have cats, so I thought it was the cats fucking with the garbage can. The cats are here, and they're touching my garbage can. <laughs> so the Bureau also had her mugshot in its files and proved it to the press. Basically that this is our girl because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth's body was severely mutilated. Her body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood, leaving her skin a pasty white. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for around 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her death sometime during the evening of January 14th or the early evening hours of January 15th. Her body looked to have been washed by the killer, they said in gasoline. Um, Her face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile, Mm. which is just basically picture the Joker smile. It's from, Mm -hmm. yeah. She had several cuts on her thighs and breasts where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper, and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her butt. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows, ba- her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart in a very, like, crude manner. Mm. However, despite the extensive cuts to her body, there wasn't a drop of blood at the scene, indicating the woman had been killed somewhere else. So, an official autopsy of Elizabeth's body was performed on January 16th, 1947, by Frederick Newbar, the Los Angeles County coroner at the time. Um, Newbar's autopsy report stated that Short was 5 feet, 5 inches tall, weighed 115 pounds, and had light blue eyes, brown hair, and badly decaying teeth. Um, they were, there were ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck, and an irregular laceration with superficial tissues lost on her right breast. Newbar had noted superficial lacerations on the right forearm, left upper arm, and the lower left side of the chest. The body had been cut completely in half by a technique taught in the 1930s called a, a hemochorporectomy. Newbar's reported very little bruising along the incision line, suggesting it had been performed after death. So they killed her and then sliced her. That's not... <laughs> cut that out, Brianna. I love the way you killed her and then sliced her. <laughs> The lacerations on each side of the face, which extended from the corners of the lips, were measured at 3 inches on the right side of the face and 2.5 inches on the left. The skull was not fractured, but there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp, with a small amount of bleeding towards the front side of her skull, consisting with blows to the head. Um, I'm thinking it was like with his fist, because there was no... As there wasn't ex- very much damage mm-hmm. um, visually. The cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from blows to the head and face. Newbar suggests that she may have been sodomized. Um, samples were taken for sperm, but the test came back negative. So, investigation started. There were many taunting messages sent to the investigators starting on January 21st, 1947. A person claiming to be the killer placed a phone call to the office of James Richardson, the editor of The Examiner, congratulating him on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before allowing police to pursue him further. Like a little cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the, co- the caller told Richardson to expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. On January 24th, a suspicious manila folder envelope was discovered by a postal worker. 
The envelope had been addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and the Los Angeles Papers, and other Los Angeles Papers, with individual words that had been cut and pasted from newspaper clippings, like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Additionally, a large message on the face of the envelope read, Here is Dahlia's belongings, belongings letters to follow. The envelope had Elizabeth Short's birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. Why would they have that stuff? I have no idea. I think this was genuinely the killer. The birth certificate, like, what the fuck? Yeah. How would even a real killer have that stuff? I'm in your house. I'm going through all your fucking filing cabinets. <laughs> that means there's somebody, like, really, really close to her. Or, I don't know, at the time, do people, like, was that a normal thing to carry around your birth certificate as, like, a so. documentation kind of thing? And I'm sure they had license and stuff, but yeah. I don't know. I Or if you're, I think if you were the killer and you planned it, because I feel like a lot of it was premeditated, and then yeah. you'd be like, I want to prove it was me, so here's what I'm going to look for at her house, maybe. That makes sense. I don't know. A lot of the things made it seem like she was, she either had roommates, she was a bit of a drifter, mm-hmm. so there was like a lot of different mm-hmm. things. So maybe she was the type of person to kind of carry it on her person. Yeah. If she didn't live anywhere, then where are you to keep it? Yeah. Um, so the packet had been carefully cleaned with gasoline, similar to her body, which led police to suspect that the package had been sent directly by her killer. So despite the efforts to clean the package, several partial fingerprints were lifted from the envelope and sent to the FBI for testing. However, the prints were compromised in transit and couldn't be properly analyzed. Sounds fishy to me, if you ask. Yeah. The same day the packet was received by the examiner, a handbag and a black suede shoe were reported to have been seen on top of a garbage can in an alley a short distance from Norton Avenue, two miles from where her body had been discovered. The items uh, turned out to be... They were recovered by the police, but they had also been wiped clean with gasoline, destroying any fingerprints. This person really likes gas. Yeah, I just have a lot of gas. Don't they know there's a shortage? (laughs) (laughs) They have a lot of gas just laying around. (laughs) Police quickly deemed Mark Hansen, the owner of the address book found in the pocket, the packet, a suspect. Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner, um, and Elizabeth was friends with some people Mark had known, and she had even stayed in his house a few times uh, altogether. So, and Toth, Elizabeth's friend and roommate, told investigators that Elizabeth had recently rejected sexual advances from Hansen, which, as we all know, makes men not be able to control themselves. Yeah, of course. He was eventually cleared of suspicion in the case. Which, mm, mm, I don't know. Why do I have your notebook? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another person of interest was Robert Red Manley, or Mainly, a 25-year-old married salesman she had been dating. On January 9th, 1947, short, uh, Elizabeth returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with him, and he claimed to have drop her off, dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, and that um, she was there to meet her sister, who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. There are some accounts of the staff at the Biltmore who recalled having seen her using the lobby telephone. Um, and shortly after, she was allegedly seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge at 754 South Olive Street, approximately 0.4 miles away from the Biltmore Hotel 
where everybody else saw her. Manley, who had been one of the last people to see her alive, was also investigated, but was cleared of suspicion after passing numerous polygraph examinations, which don't mean jack shit, mm-hmm. as uh, we all know. Yeah. Police also interviewed several people found listed in Hansen's address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of hers. Um, Lewis was able to f- provide an alibi for the date of her murder as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law, who was dying of kidney failure. So in addition to these men, the Los Angeles Police Department interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks, whom they believed to be potential suspects. So um, on February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had run into a stone wall, in their words, and there was no new leads for investigators to pursue. The examiner continued to run stories on the murder and the investigation, which was front page news for 35 days following the discovery of her body. So by the spring of 1947, Elizabeth's murder had become a cold case with few new leads. Sergeant Phineas Brown, one of the lead detectives on the case, blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reports probing, um, probing for details and unverified reporting. Um, and in September 1949, a grand jury convey, uh, convened to discuss inadequacies in the LAPD's homicide unit based on their failure to solve numerous murders, especially those of women and children, in the past seven years, Mm. um, Elizabeth being one of them. So in the aftermath of the grand jury, further investigation were done on Short's past, with detectives tracing her movements between Massachusetts, California, and Florida, and also interviewed people who had knew her in Texas and New Orleans. However, the interviews turned up no useful information in the murder. At this point, everybody thinks that the Black Dahlia case is unsolved mm-hmm. yeah do you know the muffin man no <laughs> i was like so enraptured um the black dahlia case is not an unsolved case hey. controversial statement i know <laughs> <laughs> so it's not unsolved did okay. you know that no police did come to consider a man named George Hill Hodel Jr. He was never formally charged with the crime, and no one ever really mentioned his name until after his death when his own son, Steve Hodel, who was a Los Angeles homicide detective, accused him of the murder Uh of not only Elizabeth Short, but also committing several additional murders. Oh! Apparently, before this case, he was also a suspect in the death of his secretary, Ruth Spaulding, but was not charged. Um, and was accused of raping his own daughter, but was acquitted. Uh, uh, it was only after the case against his daughter was brought out did he become a suspect in the nineteen forty. Um, and did he become a suspect in nineteen forty nine? So um, at trial, his daughter even mentioned him as being part of the Eliz- part of Elizabeth's murder. George had a medical degree, and uh, which aroused suspicions, giving the hypothesis that whoever mutilated her body mm-hmm. had some degree of surgical skill. There's no way you can empty a body that way and mm-hmm. do those such, like, pristine cutting lines Yeah, and not have some sort of skill. Yeah. Um, whether it's a butcher or a doctor. Yeah. Eight people had come forward claiming to have firsthand knowledge of the relationship between George and Elizabeth um, in 1946. The full details of the investigation came to light only in 2003, when a George Hodel Black Dahlia file was discovered in the vault at the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. 
The file revealed that in 1950, Hodel was the prime suspect of the Dahlia murder. His private Hollywood residence was bugged by an 18-man LAPD DA task force between February 15th and March 27th, 1950. Transcripts of conversations revealed Hodel's reference to performing illegal abortions, giving payoffs to law enforcement officials, and to his possible involvements in the death of his secretary and Elizabeth. The DA tapes recorded him saying, Supposing I did kill the... I can't say it in an accent. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't take me to... They can't... They can't... Nope, I'm not going to do it. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought that was... that. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now that they... Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. I don't know. By April 1950, Jemison had gathered enough ev- evidence to charge Hodel and was about to arrest him for the short murder when Hodel again left the United States. He obtained a degree in psychiatry and counseled prisoners in the territorial prison in Hawaii for three years. Um, then he moved to the Philippines where he started a new family and appears to have remained until 1990. He did finally die in 1999 in San Francisco without charges ever being filed against him. Against him, His son believes that he came in and out of the United States and nobody ever did anything about it. Uh-huh. So um, multiple detectives have even come forward and said that they know exactly who killed the Black Dahlia. They just never had enough evidence to go to trial with it. Uh-huh. So, the Black Dahlia case is a solved case. Oh. So, that is the case of the Black Dahlia that is, in fact, solved. Uh-huh. It's super interesting. Real quick, got my information from Wikipedia, thegarden.com, and fbi.gov. Ooh. Went to the, the G-man. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. I loved it. It was very good. It was. It was very good. Thanks. <laughs> Yes, my story was very good. I agree, my story was good. <laughs> Enough about it. Tell me more, though. <laughs> that was good. I like it. Um, very comprehensive. I I love to do. I love to hear a a, a popular story that I mm-hmm. don't know like a lot about. Yeah. And this was one I feel like I knew like a good amount about. Mostly just about the crime, though. I didn't know yeah. about the, the like investigation so much. Yeah. Um, my, aside from thinking it was unsolved this whole time. That was the other thing I knew for a fact. They definitely talk a lot about it um, in uh, pop culture. Yeah. American Horror Story did a really good version of it. Really? Yeah. It was in the first season, and it was basically that whoever owned the murder house first, they, brought, they were the ones who brought the bad luck to the house. Mm-hmm. And one of the doctors was one of those types of doctors that does, like, illegal abortions. But he was also getting, like, hopped up on all his shit, like, uh-huh. all the meds and stuff like that. And he was the one who killed the Black Dahlia, which was a doctor. Oh. And he brought the bad luck because his wife, uh, when she was finally able to have a kid, um, the kid died. And he was like, I'm going to create this Frankenstein baby for you. So he was the one who brought the bad luck to the house by basically doing all this shit. <laughs> Did he, but he create a fake Frankenstein baby for real? Yeah. Out and, of the baby? Uh, well, he was either doing abortions or he was keeping some of the... He was keeping, like, baby parts, basically, yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Mar- American Horror Story was so good. It was from the first season. It was really good. 
They talked about how that doctor had an affair with the Black Dahlia, and he was the one who killed her. I didn't know that her teeth were rotting out of her head, though. I did not know that either. Yeah, I thought I she thought was, she was like an actress. I guess they can have fucked up teeth, too. How can you have rotting out of your head teeth if you're an actress? I have no idea, but that's what everybody knew her by, like, her fucked up teeth. Yeah, because even another guy, the um, Mark Hansen, was like, yeah, she's really beautiful. I wouldn't touch her, though, because she got fucked up teeth. And it's like, yeah, but you were mad that she rejected you, so. Yeah, so. Who are you kidding here, kid? Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you touch her, though? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you? It sounds like you would, maybe. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I hope you bitches learned some shit. If you knew that the Black Dahlia was a solved case, good for you. If you didn't, go ahead and rate us. <laughs> yeah. Rate us and review us. Rate, review. Be like, you know what? I did learn something. I learned some shit. You know what? I think they're onto something when they say it's an educational podcast. Mm. And we fucking are. Yes. We fucking are. Well, thanks again for listening to us. If you would like to say fo- see, if you'd like to see or say photos related <laughs> to our story and others, you can find those on Instagram and Twitter at Gumshoe Weekly. On Facebook at Gumshoe Pod. And we have videos on Gumshoe Weekly. Sorry, fuck. We have videos on TikTok <laughs> at Gumshoe Weekly. <laughs> And you can email us suggestions, comments, concerns, hopes, dreams at gumshoeweekly at gmail.com. That's it. (laughs) There you go.